Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. Welcome to the Morning Beat. You're in luck. You don't need to read my mind. Just read my voice. And you know it's allergy season. That means spring is here. Uh, We just had the spring equinox. Also, we're now in airy season. What does that mean? Is this a time for manifestation? Should we be looking to the stars? What would we find if we did? We've got our resident astrologist, Marcus Barrington, joining us uh, to give us some tips on manifesting during this time of year. Also, it's Therapy Thursdays, and we're talking about something that I think many, many of our listeners can relate to. I know I can when I heard it actually be, like give a, give it a title for the first time. It's called Smiling Depression. Are you actually sad on the inside? but have made a habit of smiling what on is the this, outside. A biography of my life? Same, girl. Same. All my stand-up comedy comes from the deepest depths of my trauma. I feel like every comic, same story, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and actually, I found a lot of forgiveness in my childhood because I'm like, I got great content. Yeah, yeah. So I can let this go. I feel like every queer person relates to this. They're screaming at their radios right now or their phones or their wherever you're listening to us. It's 2022. There are a lot of options. (laughs) Uh, But it's Therapy Thursdays with our marriage and family therapist, James Gay. We're going to be breaking down smiling depression with him today. Also, could we be getting stimulus checks to cover the cost of gas? Wow. My partner and I uh, were getting gas the other day and and he took a picture. $7.99 a gallon. Seven. It's crazy. Ninety nine. Listen, Ooh. I told Lisa, I will just drive your car. You just drive your car, and then we'll keep my car full of gas. And that way, then we don't have to fill it. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll take my car because my car doesn't require as much gas as her Audi does. And I was like, we'll just drive that around. She's like, Michaela, that's it's also not going to be an answer. So just drive your car, and I'll drive mine. Yeah, that part. Anything I can do to save us some money on this gas. But is I insane. also bet. I bet that her car gets better mileage than yours because she has a little car and you have a big old Jeep. Bigger cars, SUVs tend to get worse mileage, especially in the city. Yeah, but she's got an Audi TT, blah, 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 oh, so race sporty car. And it's like, yes, yeah. it's like not a normal thing. Zooms through gas. Yeah, it's like a whole like a Batman car. I don't even know how. I can't, still haven't even driven it yet. I'm terrified of it. So yeah, it's great. It's going well. Anyway, you slice it. Gas is expensive right now and prices Awful. aren't going down anytime soon. Unfortunately, uh... But eh, that's where we are on this Thursday. How are you feeling? I feel good, baby. You're going to Vegas very, tomorrow. I am going to Vegas tomorrow. I'm so ready. I, uh, I'm filming my very first album cover at my grandma's house. And um, 
Long story short, I had a very odd interaction with a priest yesterday uh-huh. as I went to simply light a novena candle for my grandma, mm-hmm. which turned into an hour mass, mm. which turned into me casually dropping in to sing the Ave Maria when I'm in town. So it was <laughs> it was a vibe for sure, but Vivian Cavaricci, I think was that was her way of blessing me with this weekend. She roped you back in. Somehow she did it. Vivian Cavaricci always finds a way a vibe. of roping you back in. Love it. Well, yeah. I will definitely not be there to see you sing. I'll never step foot in a Catholic church ever again unless you decide to get married in one. That's the only exception I'll make. I feel that. No Ave Marias for me. I, feel, I hear that. Unless they live stream, I can watch it from home. Yeah, okay. I don't know if Catholic churches do they, that yet. They don't. They yeah, don't. Still, it's 1988 You still. know what's so funny? And I was in here and I was like, I bet so many people would hate that I'm in here. But it oddly... It's comforting. I get it. So trust me, I get it. Comforting. I think of my grandmother every time I step foot. I went to Catholic school. There's something very enticing about it. Also, yeah. something very problematic. So it's confusing. I get it. I know. Luckily, I know. it's therapy Thursdays. We maybe could bring that up too. <laughs> <laughs> you were Great. smiling on the outside. Maybe you're sad on the inside. You're in a Catholic church. Yeah. All right. It's time for our news on the beat. What do you have? All right, babe. Well, Seattle Pride has cut ties with Amazon over the e-commerce giant's corporate donations and its alleged request to have its name included in the title of the city's annual LGBTQ Pride March. The nonprofit group, which has organized the Seattle Pride Parade since 1974, issued a state. Tuesday saying it is deeply concerned about the Seattle-based company's donations to anti-LGBTQ politicians and its fundraising efforts for anti-LGBTQ groups. It also cited efforts by the company to call the parade the city's first since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. Seattle Pride Parade presented by Amazon in exchange for $100,000. Their group's executive director, Crystal Marks, told the NBC affiliate, Pride isn't for sale at any time of the year, but especially the month of June when our community comes together to celebrate when someone has their name attached to the title of a full event that we haven't had for two years it makes me as a queer individual think this parade is going to be entirely about Amazon and celebrating their contribution do you know I think that people really taking a stand against Disney is giving others a lot of hope I'm sorry HRC taking a stand against Disney is giving people a bigger voice to go no, we don't want it anymore. We really are tired of it. You cannot silence us. And I think this is pretty good. God, I love Amazon. Why? That's so they're problematic, right? I know. My partner works for Amazon. He's gay. <sighs> what am I supposed to? Sh- where am I supposed to shop now? I get everything from Amazon. Every. That's their plan. I get everything. That was their plan. I just saw yesterday that um, uh, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife Mackenzie. Has donated three point eight billion dollars in like the last year. Oh, they, she's iconic. She she took half his money. Second one, give it all away. Watch. Yeah. She's donating everything. I love it, and and is and is doing it. Also, Mackenzie, I have student loans still that I would appreciate, and Michaela has an album that needs uh, funding. So bring it over here, baby. Yeah. Bring it over here. Uh, okay, let's get into weather. It's going to be ninety three in La Quinta today, ninety four in Cathedral City, a high of. 70 in Houston, 94 in Palm Springs, 86 in Vegas, 83 in L.A., and 53 in New York. Now give us a vibe of the day. To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. Ooh, I love that. Change often. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. How about this for a title of an article? I think I've gotten into something way too weird with my hot cousin. Lord, Uh-oh. this is a Jerry Springer episode, honey, Ooh. and Maury just retired, so this I'm is, not well. <laughs> this is from Slate's sex advice column. 
I'm just going to go ahead and just read the person, what they wrote in, okay? Okay. I will not sugarcoat this. I have been masturbating to photos of my cousin, who's a few years younger than me. Uh, I saw him for the first time in years over the holidays, and he's simply an extremely attractive young man now. We don't have a close familial relationship. He lives three states away, and I have no intention of acting on this. I should probably just unfollow him on Instagram, but is there anything wrong with what I'm doing? Is this abnormal? Listen. I host a podcast, you helped me launch it, called Confess Your Mess, and we get confessions like this all the time on the show. And it's easy to sort of like laugh it off and make fun of, you know, remember the scene from Mean Girls where Amanda Seyfried's character is like, well, you have your cousins, and then you have your third cousins, and then you have your second cousins. Yes. And they're like, no, honey, that's not how it works. And she makes out with her cousin, and it's a funny moment. But... Have you ever had a crush on one of your cousins? You have a lot of boy cousins. Uh, no. I feel like, I don't know if it was the taboo of it all, but never. Like, I just knew that, one, it was wrong, and two, they were like my brother. They were raised as, like, my brothers, not my cousins. So I hated them like my brothers. Well, apparently, uh, according to a sex and psychology uh, author and host of a podcast, Tell Me What You Want, um, Justin Lime Miller did research on this for his book and says that he found that just 3% of his sample said that uh, incest was something that they fantasized about often. So to your, to the, so this writer, this person who wrote in, it's not that common. Um, in the event that you're distressed by this, he also suggests speaking with a sex therapist. The American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists has a directory for such things if, if you're having issues with this. Okay, let's broaden it just a bit, because I've also never been attracted to any of my cousins. My cousins are all girls, so you you predominantly like girls, and your cousins are mostly boys. Yeah, hello. I like boys, and my cousins are all girls. Nothing there. However, I will say, I had a second cousin growing up. His name was Terry, and a good friend of mine actually ended up dating him a couple of years ago. And I remember being, gosh, 12 or 13 the first time we like really met, and it was at a family like like it was a graduation party or a wedding or something like that. And then we met again when I was about 15. And I remember he was from a town like 15 minutes away. The brightest blue eyes, so good looking. And I had such a crush. Part of it was probably because he was like, I think it was my age, but like a little bit cooler than me. And he and his friends were sneaking alcohol at the wedding. And I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. I'll I'll have a screwdriver because yeah. that's like the fancy thing you drink at a wedding where I come from orange juice and, and cheap vodka right and I was like sure and he's like hey do you want to go to karaoke with us at the bowling alley after the wedding I was like wait what things happen after weddings like what are you going to do at 11 p.m. at night that's so cool of course so I went and I remember sing- singing Eurythmics sweet dreams are made of this with him and thinking I'm in love right now because sweet dreams are actually made of this. And I had the biggest crush on him for many, many years. He was like my third cousin, though. Nothing ever happened. Yeah. But I definitely had a crush on him. I probably fantasized once or twice. Am I a weirdo? Mm, I don't think you're a weirdo. Like, I just think that... The royal family marries their cousins. Yeah, that's true. Depending on where you come from, uh, that's, you know, for you. I will say that truly watching... Those trashy shows growing up taught me a lot about not wanting to sleep with my family members. So, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> what trashy shows? Jerry like cops? Springer. Oh, Jerry Springer. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. It was a mess. Yeah, you don't want to end up on there. No, Yikes. baby. All right. Uh, coming up, Miley Cyrus had to make an emergency landing after lightning struck her plane. But find out why it became so personal for me. Uh, we'll discuss next. 
The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. It's our time for our first round of What's Pop and a terrifying uh, moment in the skies for a major pop star. And Michaela has a personal connection to the story. Michaela, what's popping? Well, this is so crazy. So Miley Cyrus obviously uh, is the big news here. She was uh, performing at Lollapalooza and she was just moving to the next destination when her plane was struck by lightning and she had to make an emergency landing. She was on her way to Paraguay. Um, but I received a text. One of my, he's my my baby for a million years. Uh, he's been on the show, Aaron Encinas. He's now her musical director and her lead backup singer. And he texted me uh, before the news had broke and he said, Miley's plane just got hit by lightning. And I was like, what are you talking about? What does that look like? He was on the plane with some of her other musicians. Wow. And he said he was terrified. He said that him and some of the other backup singers already had started texting their loved ones because he'd never experienced anything like that. He had never had a plane get hit by lightning. Uh, and they were very grateful to have made an emergency landing. Now, unfortunately... Um, they were unable to make the show uh, in Paraguay. Uh, she said that she's so sorry. Now, they are joined for this festival with artists like Foo Fighters, Machine Gun Kelly, Doja Cat. Uh, my makeup artist is Doja Cat. They've all been together just hanging, vibing. It's looked like such a good time. But uh, they were unable to attend this particular concert. And I, I feel Ooh. so bad. I mean, it's got to be terrifying. I remember my mom still tells the story of the first time she ever took me out of the country. We went to Mexico for my 18th birthday to Cancun. Uh, to Playa del Carmen, and she says, "Honey, don't you remember the flight? One of the engines went out. There was part of the the seat was duct taped together." She goes, "We had to make an emergency landing." She goes, "I've never been more scared in my entire life. I had no idea what was happening." Um, but to be on a plane hit by lightning's got to be pretty scary. They're pretty safe, but still, they had to land. It yeah, wasn't completely safe. Any sort of emergency landing would make me so nervous. Absolutely, I think just knowing that lightning hit my plane that I'm in. I would be so terrified. So I'm just so grateful that everyone is okay. Everyone's feeling good. She'll be able to continue on with her Lollapalooza tour. And you'll be able to see Miley very soon, the little rock queen. Now coming up, it's Therapy Thursdays. We're talking with our uh, marriage and family therapist, James Gay, on why smiling depression is a thing. And here's how to know if you have it coming up in the next hour. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. Coming up this hour on The Morning Beat, uh, it's Therapy Thursdays. In about 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by our marriage and family therapist, James Gay, talking about smiling depression. Uh, it's way more common than you might realize, and it could be affecting you. Mm. If you find yourself smiling on the outside or just pretending like everything is fine with your friends, families, co-worker, uh, co-workers, and, and inside, you're really actually su- suffering in silence. Uh, you're not alone. And our marriage and family therapist is going to join us with some tips on how to overcome smiling depression coming up this hour. I don't think we've ever had a more relatable topic on Thursdays. Ever. All of us. All of us. Yeah, it's tough. Listen, I think after the pan, I think before the pandemic, people really suffered with their mental health. Mm -hmm. I think after people are suffering, and that's very, you know, the saddest. The saddest cry, I think, in the whole world is when someone is laughing and then they start to cry Uh and how the laughter turns into crying and they're just like laughing and crying. And it's because of a very sad situation. The epitome of smiling depression. I mean, just this week, uh, the number one ranked tennis player in the entire world, Ash Barty from Australia, retired at the age of 25. Serena Williams and Venus Williams are both 40, 40 and 41 and still playing, right? Ash Barty said, I'm good. She just won the Australian Open. She won the last Grand Slam. She's like, I'm good. It's too much. It's too much for my mental health. I'm fine. I'm out. Bye. Wow. This generation does not mess around. Naomi Osaka, same thing. Simone Biles, same thing. Nah, don't care. Well, and you know, it's, it's not worth it. What's interesting to me is I almost said, wow, look at the dedication that Serena and Venus have. Like, they're able to make mm-hmm. it. Clearly, they stayed strong enough to play all these years. Um, but that's because I think we had to. Yeah. Like, I actually think it is stronger and cooler maybe Sometimes that I, Ash is like yes, I'm done now I think both can exist at the same time Yeah, I don't think we need to drag Venus and Serena and must, not that you are yeah. but I think some people because Rafael Nadal, Nadal just said recently he said listen you gotta be mentally tough for this you gotta be able to handle this day in day out and if not it's not for you that's okay so he's also right you also have to be tough to maintain that level for that many years. He's won 21 Grand Slams. That's a huge... Nobody's ever won that many. Totally. But on the other side, it's also okay to be like, I'm not. And I don't care. And I don't care to be. Yeah. I'm going to walk away. Goodbye. Yeah. Both are okay. I love it. And it's. I think historically, we always look at it one way or the other. We're like, well, either be strong or not. And I think it's a really beautiful representation of self-preservation. Like, sometimes people are doing that just so they can, like, wake up the next day. Yeah, she's like, I've won three Grand Slams. Who can say that? Also not many people. That. I'm fine. I'm good. I had a good career. I'm out. Totally. 25 years old. Smiling depression here on the Morning Beat coming up this hour. Right now, it's time for news on the beat. What do you have? All right, babe. Well, Madeline Albright, the first woman to serve as a U.S. Secretary of State, has died at age 84 after battling cancer. Albright was nominated on December 5th, 1996 by then-President Clinton to become the 64th Secretary of State after serving as the U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. She was confirmed by the U.S. Senate on January 22nd, 1997 and sworn in the next day. Albright served as 
Secretary of State for four years, ending her service on January 20th, 2001. Upon the inauguration of former President George W. Bush, Albright had a long and distinguished career as a U.S. envoy. As Secretary of State, she was the first State Department head to allow domestic partners, including same-sex partners, to accompany overseas staff and require that foreign governments officially accredit them. In 1999, the secret, I'm sorry, the secretary advocated that Clinton go ahead with his decision to appoint the first openly gay U.S. ambassador, James Hormel, as a recess appointment as the U.S. ambassador to Luxembourg. In her role as Secretary of State, Albright was a trailblazer that set an example that would be followed by two other prominent American women, former Secretaries of State Condoleezza Rice and Hillary Clinton. Well, it's fascinating. Madeline uh, Madeline Albright served from 1997 to 2001. She's also... uh a refugee, so she understands. Like she, she years ago was calling out Vladimir Putin and what's going on now in Ukraine. She predicted this. She saw this coming. Uh, but she served from '97 to 2001. Then there was a four-year gap, and Condoleezza Rice, as you said, stepped in. And then it was Hillary Clinton for the next four years after that. So for gosh, 12 out of 16 years in a row, our Secretary of State was a woman, and that had never happened ever in our nation's history. It's pretty. She's pretty iconic. Yeah, amazing. All right, another news: Pfizer has issued a recall for a high blood pressure medication distributed under three names, according to the company. Uh, Acuretic and its two generic versions distributed by Greenstone, Quinapril, and uh, hydrochlorothiazide yep, tablets. Ooh, are subject to the recall. The medications treat hypertension, which increases the risk for potential dangerous cardiovascular events like strokes. The recall is voluntary and stems from the tablets containing higher levels of nitrosamines, which pose a cancer risk. Although Pfizer said in a news release, there's no immediate risk to patients taking this medication. Uh, okay, scary. Uh, Let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 83 today in L.A., 86 in Vegas, 94 in Palm Springs, 70 in Houston, 45 in Kansas City, and 88 in Cathedral City. Sounds like uh, Palm Springs is Palm Springsing. It's 94 degrees. I would do anything to just lay by the pool in Palm Springs today. I want to lay in the pool. Or lay in the pool, yes. I'm going to float in Cannibal. the pool. Yeah, okay, okay, with okay. With a mojito in my hand. Right. And a cabana boy to bring me lunch. Okay, that's what I want. That's, that's literally Palm Springs. Palm Springs, invite us. We want to come. Also, shout out to our, our, our good friends, Jonathan Bennett and James Vaughn. Got married last weekend yeah. in Cancun. Palm Springs residents got married last weekend in Cancun, and I saw they're back in Palm Springs, I think, as of yesterday. Oh, they looked so cute. And James was carrying Jonathan's luggage for him, so the, the marriage is off to a great start. Yes, baby. All right, give us a vibey. Here it is. To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. Love that. All right, well, coming up, what is smiling depression? Here's what you need to know. And if you're suffering from it, it's Therapy Thursdays with James Gay next. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for Therapy Thursdays. We're joined again by our marriage and family therapist, James Gay. James, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you too? Good, good. Yeah, um, baby. My question is, are you smiling though? Are you that well? <laughs> Be- lots and lots of smiles, regardless of how I feel. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. And, and we're going to dig a little bit deeper, but you are the therapist here, so we'll let you do your work. Because uh, we're talking about smiling depression today, and I think there's probably not been a topic in Therapy Thursdays more relatable to this. What exactly yeah. is it, and how do we know if we're suffering from it? 
Sure. It's it's basically when someone still has the signs of major depressive disorder, but they're high functioning and they may cover the depression that they feel. So it's it's often this chronic low grade or moderate depression that they put on a smile to sort of hide behind and not, you know, show other people that they're actually experiencing sadness, hopelessness, anger, irritability, you know, the the, the typical signs of of depression. I think it's so sad because I, before the pandemic, people were really suffering. And I think that after the pandemic or as we're still in it, but the world is opening up, people just no longer can fake it anymore. I think that when we've yeah. had time to sit there for two years and think about all of our things, uh, heading out into the world, we used to be able to smile behind the depression, but now the emotions are just getting too strong. So how do we navigate sort of the fakeness of it, but but addressing it, but being kind of now in this gray area? Yeah, well, it's it is an opportunity, you know, because some of us, so many of us, are dealing with, you know, maybe not clinical depression, major depressive disorder, but but certainly, you know, moments here and there of depression and anxiety as it relates to the pandemic. So I think the more that we, you know, remove the stigma and shame, and we normalize the fact that it is part of the human experience that we have a variety of different emotions. And, you know, that there's nothing wrong with experiencing physical illness, let alone mental illness, you know, the more that we can lead from our humanity and be compassionate with ourselves and others, then that goes a far, far distance in being able to to deal with the stuff that comes up, especially when it becomes more serious. Well, it's tricky to notice because, you know, some of the symptoms, you know, it, if it takes you serious effort to get out of bed in the morning to do your hair and makeup, that's cl- obviously you might be suffering from depression. But on the other hand, if you're powering through work and you're successful and you're, and you're handling your business, but you're struggling to stay focused, you might also be suffering from depression. And I know for myself growing Mm -hmm. up, and and tell me if this is a generational thing, right? If you found this with your clients, that Mm -hmm. my mother, for instance, used to, she she doesn't really believe in depression, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is wild because I'm like, mom, sometimes you're depressed, but she doesn't really believe in it. And she tells me, look, you're, you're doing so well, honey. Like you're doing so well, you're fine. And she'd always Mm -hmm. tell me to pick myself and dust myself up off and keep going, right? But it's not that simple for people. And, and and why isn't it simple? Like, why isn't it that simple? Is there something, what is psychologically going on if somebody is depressed that maybe allows them to smile, but also bogs them down internally? It may be that behind the scenes or in the background, there's this sort of constant sort of sadness and tired and sleep patterns and appetite issues and, and anxiety and and again the hopelessness anger and irritability that often come come with depression but then in certain instances when we're distracted or when we're trying to repress deny or ignore or minimize those depressive feelings that we're able to have you know interactions and be social and and go to work and all those kinds of things um, but it's still, exists. And to have someone say that, oh, you don't feel what you feel, or it's fine, you'll be okay, can be incredibly invalidating. What we really need to hear is I care. And I, you know, you mean the world to me. And I've also experienced some of this stuff, maybe not to the extent that you have. And, and, you know, is there anything that I can do to, 
you know, help you seek the services that you may need for extra support right now or alleviate any of the burdens, you know, and and be as supportive as possible. Uh, James Gay, those are really great tips on how to like verbally validate somebody for somebody who maybe just needs some tips on how to raise their own vibration. Would you recommend hikes, maybe a walk? What are a couple tips that people could physically do to shake that depression? You know, it's often those kinds of lifestyle uh, shifts that can make a difference. Sometimes, you know, it's the four characteristics and qualities. It's, it's, you know, um, self-care as it relates to good nutrition, adequate and consistent sleep, exercise, you know, physical activity, getting outdoors, hiking, you know, whatever it happens to be, and social support. You know, so above and beyond the lifestyle issues, because that doesn't necessarily work for all people or doesn't necessarily alleviate enough of the depression for all people, it can help. You know, there can also be talk therapy and um, for some people, uh, medication to keep it in check and, and help us to function at our best and enjoy life as much as we possibly can. Why do you think it is that people feel the need uh, mm. to smile through things? Why, yeah. why, why is it that is that a uniquely American thing? Is that is that a global thing? Like, why do we feel the need to do that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of reasons. For some people, there can be like, oh, I don't want to feel like a burden. I, you know, for others, it's embarrassment or shame or the the mental health stigma that's attached, you know, there can be a fear of backlash. Like, let's say you're in the public eye, you're a comedian, a politician, whatever, you know, and, and someone, you know, there can be fear that uh, you could lose your job. You know, we could be in denial and just, you know, it's like, oh, it's not that bad. I can still function and maybe sort of ignore it ourselves. You know, it, it, it can be a about trying to avoid appearing weak or feeling guilty, you know, just trying to keep up with appearances. It can be about perfectionism. There's so many different causes of this. Well, James Gay, we appreciate you so much. Uh, Thank you for having this conversation. I think they're always very important. Uh, Our licensed marriage and family therapist will talk to you soon. Great. Okay. Could it be scientifically proven that Trump supporters are actually just plain dumb? I think that people would agree, but science may be backing it. We'll discuss next. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. Has science finally done it? Has science proven that Trump supporters are less smart than everybody else? Controversial. Honey, I've been saying this for a long time. If you look at the states that vote Republican, you look at the states that vote Democrat, and you look at the graduation graduation rates in college and, and, and success levels and, and median incomes, it's a very, very clear story. Right. But now science may have actually done what we've all sort of wondered for a while. This is according to the Social Science Quarterly. Low levels of cognitive sophistication may lead people to embrace simple cognitive shortcuts like stereotypes and prejudices that were amplified by the Trump campaign. Additionally, the simple linguistic style presented by Trump may have appealed to voters with limited education and cognitive sophistication. This is wild. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I I feel like it's interesting because they're saying a lot of like white kids who didn't go to college Uh also voted for Trump and you could look at them as being uneducated. Now, on one hand, I didn't go to college. I know a lot of people that didn't go to college that didn't vote for Trump. And they're also white people. So I don't know if it's like uh, 
like an educational thing, like a, like where you learn in school as it is maybe like a street smarts thing. I've always said I have so much street smarts. I also have book smarts, but I would be better with my street smarts. And uh, so I think it's interesting. I However, feel like your education, though, is also American Idol and, and, and Hollywood. Like, it was like life. Ha- had you stayed in your family bubble in Vegas, you might be a Trump supporter today. Well, all my family is Trump supporters. Exactly. That's what they're I'm all mine police too. officers, yep. and they're all like very by the book. Uh-huh. But I think that with Trump, I, I think that Trump just really brought back this idea that we could have old America again. 1955. And it made people feel... Uh-huh. It's the same way that I ended up in a Catholic church yesterday. It's not that I believe in the Catholic church, but it made me feel familiar to my grandma, and yes. I wanted to feel her. That's how people, I think, voted for Trump even initially. They wanted to just feel familiar again. Uh-huh. And also, also, keep in mind that our president for eight years before that was Barack Obama the first black president in the history of our country, and the potential next president was going to be a woman. And for a lot of people, that was just too much too fast, right? They wanted to feel, like you said, comfortable, what was familiar to them. And what's familiar is an old white guy as our president. We have another one right now. Democrats did it too, right? But according to a a professor of sociology, Darren Shurkat, he used a 10-point vocabulary exam to evaluate the cognitive and political decision-making skills of white Trump supporters. This is really interesting. While non-college whites certainly turned out more heavily for Trump, the smart ones did not. Only 38% of those with perfect scores are expected to vote for Trump, and only 46% of non-college graduates who scored a standard deviation above the median. Uh, The same is true for college graduates. So what this is saying, the people who scored well on this test who understood these like sort of basic vocabulary words, uh, did not overwhelmingly vote for Trump. Sometimes in some subcategories, as much as 75% of them voted for Trump, the ones who had the lowest test scores. And listen, I think part of the problem as liberals is that we get caught up in stories like this. It's really easy to be like, well, listen, smarter people know better. Well, guess what? Half the country is not college educated or more. So it doesn't matter. None of this really actually, it might make us feel good about ourselves. might make us feel like we're a little bit more educated and more worldly and more traveled and more experienced in diversity than, than Trump supporters. The fact of the matter is, though, what he did worked. What he did got a lot of people really fired up. It's also why conspiracy theories and all of these things, you know, People who tend to be a little bit mentally weak or more open to these things, and I love I love my faith, but also religion is problematic, and it, it took my sister away from me, and she's never really been the most mentally strong person, to be honest. She's never had a lot of thoughts for herself, and she very quickly became open to different religions, different ideas of doing things, conspiracy theories. It's the reason we don't have a relationship today, unfortunately. So we can all say, yeah, we're smarter. But does that get us to the end result of a more peaceful, more kind, compassionate society? No. No, and I think that smarter is kind of a harsh word. I, I do because I don't believe more educated. I think is probably that, the, the term. Maybe or educated. I I really don't believe that people that went to college um, are just immediately smarter. I know a lot of people that went to college that I I don't respect anything that they That's say. That's fair. That's fair. Um, or understand where they're coming from. Um, I don't really believe in in book smarts all the time. So I, I feel like it's tough to drag Trump supporters in that way. Not that I'm defending them. I hear you. I just think it's also like 
another superiority complex it's that we're narrow. like we're better and yes. we're not i think that people felt very scared like you said with hillary and trump they thought they're making a de- good decision a lot of people that voted for trump feel very remorseful now a lot of people who voted for biden now feel very vindicated and want to and want to vote for trump i think who got it right at the end of the day, was Trump. He knew how to get into the heads of Americans, Mm -hmm. and that's what he did. And because of it, we are now suffering from people who had their fire ignited when it came to being able to be racist. Well, you're seeing Ron DeSantis and Governor Abbott and all these other people, Joshua Hawley, all these other Republicans who are trying to replicate Lindsey Graham, the way that he's talking to Ketanji Brown-Jackson in the Supreme Court hearing. I I think that's the bigger issue. Um, I don't think that a college education in and of itself makes you smart. I think it's an indicator, though, that you're open to things, that you're open to world travel and different ways of doing things and thinking about things. And I think that making somebody a more well-rounded person is what makes them more open. You, You don't have a college education, but you've traveled the world and you've met all sorts of people and you don't judge people because you've been around different people. I think that's sort of what college represents to me. It's not about the book smarts. It's about who you meet and what you experience when you're in a different space around people who are also from different parts of the country and the world, as opposed to staying in your small town and just seeing the world one way forever. That's been my experience. I don't think I'm smarter because of college. I don't don't learn anything, to be honest. Yeah. No, I, I think it's just a great conversation to have. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. A stimulus check for gas? could be right around the corner. We've got details coming up in about 15 minutes. We're having that discussion. Gas prices are astronomical right now. I paid $7.99 a gallon just the other day. Uh, Never thought I'd see that happen. Uh, But here we are. It's Mm -hmm. 2022, uh, and we're having this discussion. Right now, though, it's time for some news on the beat from Michaela Gordon. What do you got? All right. Well, Seattle Pride has cut ties with Amazon over the e-commerce giant's corporate donations and its alleged request to have its name included in the title of the city's annual LGBTQ Pride March. The nonprofit group, which has organized the Seattle Pride Parade since 1974, issued a statement this week saying it is deeply concerned about the Seattle-based company's donations to anti-LGBTQ politicians. Uh, and its fundraising efforts for anti-LGBTQ groups. It also cited efforts by the company to call the parade the city's first since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. Seattle Pride Parade presented by Amazon in exchange for $100,000. The group's executive director, Crystal Marks, told NBC... Pride is not for sale at any time of the year, but especially the month of June when our community comes together to celebrate. When someone has their name attached to the title of a full event that we haven't had for two years, it makes me as a queer individual think this parade is going to be entirely about Amazon and celebrating their contribution. All right, another news. Jeremy Glenn, the superintendent of the Granbury Independent School District in North Texas, told a group of librarians he'd summoned to a district meeting room that he needed to speak from his heart. He continued that members of Granbury's school board, his bosses, were also very conservative. And to any school employees who might have different political beliefs, Glenn said, you better hide it. Here in this community, we're going to be conservative. That's why he said he needed to talk to them about some of the books available in the school district's libraries. For months, conservative parents and politicians across Texas had been pressuring districts to remove from school libraries any books uh, that contain explicit descriptions of sex, labeling several young adult novels as pornography. 
Many of the titles targeted statewide have featured queer characters and storylines, but those calling for the book's removal have repeatedly said they are concerned only with sex and vulgarity, not with suppressing the views of LGBTQ students and authors. Glenn made a similar argument during his closed-door meeting with librarians in Granbury, which is about an hour's drive southwest of Dallas. Here's the problem, you conservative a-holes. When you consider our sex vulgar, there's not it's a, it's a no-win situation. You can't say, oh, we don't have a problem with you. We have a problem with vulgar sex you consider what we do vulgar. So there it is. And this is also the problem. This is the difference between being a conservative and being a progressive. Conservatives just want to say no. There's one way to do everything, and that's that, period. Progressives say we're open to ideas. We're open to suggestions. So we're less unified because we all have different We have different beliefs. We come from different backgrounds. We think differently, and we're okay with that. Conservatives say nope. Religion, gay people, bad Abortion, bad, over, end of discussion. So it's, it's sort of hard to unite. There are so many different types of progressives. You're progressive, I'm progressive, but our thoughts are very different. We don't agree on everything. Yeah. Conservatives find one or two things they agree on, and that's it. It's God, abortion, sexuality, that's it. It's so funny that you said that because I have shared this story earlier, but I ended up in a Catholic church yesterday. I was trying to light a novena candle for my grandma. I was raised Catholic. I somehow got stuck talking to the priest for longer than I thought would ever be. Um, and, and we were talking and I mentioned being gay. And he said, um, well, there's a lot of types of, of Catholic churches and a lot of types of Catholics. We're like Baskin Robbins. There's 31 flavors. They're all ice cream, but we're all different Catholics. And um, I don't even know why that made me cry. I felt like that. I felt like he understood why I was saying that sure. to him. And I felt like he was sort of confirming to me that like not all Catholics don't like gay people. Like totally. there's so many. Well, the president of the United different. States is a Catholic. People forget that. Joe Biden's a Catholic. And it's only the second Catholic we've ever had as president. And both of them have been raging liberals. John F. Kennedy and yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah. And Joe Biden has been the most supportive of our rights, even more so than Barack Obama. He came out and supported same-sex marriage before Barack Obama, which didn't make Obama happy, I'm sure. But, you know, it is hard. It is hard because, listen, it makes it almost feel like as, as queer people sometimes we can't have conservative thoughts or we can't believe in church or believe in faith because there's so much hatred coming from it towards us. We yeah. just want to accept everybody and, and, and live in all spaces. And that's hard for conservatives to wrap their brains yeah. around. Yeah, but lucky for us. We don't have small minds. Amen. And, and we a have Catholic, better lives. Yeah, and a Catholic priest in L.A. is very different from Catholic priests in small town America. A hundred percent. And listen, I will say Vivian Cavaricci was the most Catholic, 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 Catholic person ever. When I told her about Lisa, she went and bought a crucifix, got it blessed by the priest, and welcomed Lisa into the family. So, mm. I mean, everybody is so different. Yep. And there are many different types of people. It's almost the middle generation, I think, because my grandmother was like that too. Yeah. She got a gift from my partner when I came out to her and she was very, very Catholic. I think it's like the boomers. Yeah. It's it's those in like their 50s, 60s, and 70s that are kind of in the middle when Trying things to figure shifted. It out. Yeah. And they a lot of their values were set in the 70s. After all the, the civil rights and everything happened, there was this religious push in the 70s. And that's what sort of solidified how they raised us. Yeah. It's different. The older generation was cool with it. Yeah. Yeah, also, they're just tired, and they don't seem to care anymore. Yeah, they, they realize there's like more to life. Yeah. All 
All right, it's going to be a high of 83 in LA today, 85 in Vegas, 94 in Palm Springs, 68 in Houston, a high of 88 in Cathedral City, and 88 in, I'm sorry, 93 in La Quinta. Now give us a vibe of the day. Here's your vibe of the day. To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. Yes, love that. I think we've got a cool announcement coming up next hour. Is that correct, Vanessa? So stick so around in our next hour. We have a really cool opportunity exciting. for you. Uh, you could win a trip. That's all I'm going to say. Yes, perfect. All right, coming up, could we be getting stimulus checks for high gas prices with inflation at an all-time high? I'll definitely take that extra check, and I think you will too. We'll discuss. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. Yesterday we were at a stop sign or a stoplight, and uh, the gas for our type, we use premium only, we have to for his car, is $7.99 a gallon. Now, there was a time not too long ago, and I remember gas approaching that, there was a rumor that would approach that. This was like 15 years ago, and people lost their minds, miles and miles of cars waiting in gas stations, right? Yet here we are in 2022, and we've all just sort of grown accustomed to it. But could the federal government be doing something about it? Here to help us break it all down is a senior reporter for CBS Money Watch, Amy Peaky. Amy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Amy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, could the American people be finding some sort of relief soon? Well, there are several proposals out there to basically send rebates um, or kind of stimulus checks to everyone in America. Um, who's paying higher gas and you know it's so it's possible but you know right now i'm just going to say these three bills are proposals and it would take a lot to get them signed into law so i would say you know don't hold your breath at this moment but i think it's interesting that you know you have three separate proposals um that each are approaching this in a different way but the the main idea is the same and that everybody would get a check to help offset that cost of higher gas I am going to tell you, though, in California, people who live there are going to get a rebate check for gas. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it looks pretty, it's not definite, but it looks more likely than the federal proposals at this point. Uh, Governor Newsom is proposing direct payments of $400 per vehicle, um, up to two vehicles per family. Um, So it means you could get $800. And he's saying this could come as soon as July. So that's looking a little more likely than the federal level. And People in California, I believe, right now are paying the highest, uh, the highest amount in gas um, anywhere in the U.S. So that would hopefully be a help to people who are living in that state. Well, Amy, I think that it's important. I saw these memes where people were like, oh, we shouldn't be complaining about gas prices when there are children laying in floors in Ukraine and Russia and we should feel so much better. And I do not agree at all. I think that I grew up with a single mom and affording gas was really hard. And that was her only means to get to work. She had to have that job in order to put food on our table. And I think that's the uh, sentiment to a lot of families. I, I think that even coming out of this pandemic, people are just trying to find work again and a lot of these people that have to spend eight dollars it's too difficult to even get to work and back they can't fill up the tank and i i think that's where it's important that families should be getting stimulus checks or some kind of help because it's it's over forty dollars to even get sometimes a quarter of a tank 
Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's a really interesting point. And, you know, I've talked with consumers. I've talked with companies that are polling consumers about this. And, yeah, we're already seeing that this is causing a lot of pain for consumers. And, um, you know, I don't think it has to be one thing or the other. Like, yeah, people are suffering elsewhere in the world, so therefore don't, don't complain. I mean, this is a re- very real issue for people um, in, the United States, in the United States. And it is impacting uh, people who have to commute to work. And, you know, often those are lower-income um, workers. Like, if you work in a restaurant, you work in a retail store, you can't do remote work, right? You have to go to work, and you have to pay for that gas. Um, you know, people who are lucky enough to do remote work, um, I've talked with some of them, they've, they've actually said to their bosses, like, with the increase in gas prices, I want to work at home now because, you know, it's like costing me $8 a day or whatever well, in even gas prices. Uber drivers, I mean, uh, Lyft drivers. Oh, absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy, and, you know, Uber's, um, I think, trying to help with that, but, I mean, that is an issue, and um, it makes it unaffordable for some of these workers to to take these jobs, and so I think this is a real issue. It's an issue for the economy because, you know, the problem is, um, you know, people feel like they can't get to work, or if the job they have, like being an Uber driver, isn't making the money anymore, then you're going to have people switching out of those jobs, and that impacts the economy. And the other thing, yeah, sorry, go go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, we're already seeing people pulling back on driving. Um, we're seeing people pulling back on spending in other areas. And I just wanted to say, like, the, the impact of the higher gas prices is very real and it's big. Um, one analyst estimates that it's an additional $2,000 this year in costs mm-hmm. that the typical American family is going to bear. And that means it's $2,000 they have to spend, uh, they have to cut back somewhere else. Well, that's, so that's going to be yeah. on restaurants, yeah. That, and that's what I want to talk about, too, because the interesting thing is, as we're coming out of two years of pandemic, this is the first summer in a while that some families feel comfortable going on a vacation, right? And we, on one hand, according to the watch uh, from the watchdog group, Accountable.us, uh, they found that the largest oil and gas companies earned $205 billion in profits last year, right? So it's not like they're struggling. But that that's not those profits aren't being like like passed on to the consumer. And so a lot of these families, if you're anything like my family growing up, we didn't have money to go on big vacations. We had money to drive eight hours to Michigan every single year for vacation. A lot of families aren't going to do that this year. It's so expensive to drive anywhere. So then you're impacting the economy of all these local towns and these these tourist attractions. I'm also planning a wedding right now in a foreign country. The flights are astronomical. We're talking like $1,000 a flight from anybody from my home state to come to my wedding. That's insane. So it's not just the the impact of driving to and from work. It also impacts the American consumer's ability to spend money elsewhere, which effect has a ripple effect across the economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point because, yeah, you mentioned flights, and there are other ways this is going to ripple through the economy, too. You think about shipping, right? So all the shipping companies are now facing higher costs as well. So, you know, that, that's, that's pushing inflation up higher. And I, you, you mentioned the profits at gas and oil companies, and I, I think that points to a big debate that's going on right now, which is whether, you know, what's causing inflation? Is it corporate corporations taking advantage of the situation and increasing their prices, or is it something else? And, I mean, at this point, it's a, it's a little unclear, but we do know that, you know, corporations are facing higher costs, and they do have to raise their prices, but some critics are saying they're raising their prices higher than they need to. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't truly reflect the, the increase in prices they're paying. They're seeing what consumers can pay and pushing up higher uh, their price is higher to the to see how much can they how much can they charge yeah, what's the and breaking you know point? we are 
What's the breaking point? We are seeing very high profits from a lot of companies right now. So that's leading to those criticisms. I think that's an issue that's still open for debate. But you know, the bottom line is that, yeah, consumers are feeling this pain right now in their wallets and in their budgets. Well, Amy Peaky, thank you so much for joining us. Senior reporter for CBS Money Watch. We look forward to talking with you soon. And we look forward to those stimulus checks, honey. Thank you. Okay, Take care. You too. Coming up, what would you do if your coworker outed you at the office? This happened to one guy and the internet is rallying behind him. But what would you do? We'll discuss next. The Morning Beat with A.J. Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. All right, so this is really interesting. The idea of being outed is always, you know, a very, very controversial one and never okay. Uh, And one Reddit user revealed uh, in the gay forum there that he was beyond peed. (laughs) He was ticked off because a co-worker outed him to a new employee that day. Mm -mm. He said he was showing the new person around and introducing them to everyone, and when they got to me, he told them my name and added, I don't know if it matters to you or not, but he's gay. Oh, my God. He went on to say, it is my choice and your choice who you come out to. No one, not even family, has the right uh, to out you without your permission. I'm not ashamed of who I am, but I prefer to know someone before telling them my sexuality. I do not know this person's belief on our issues or identity. Uh, when someone does that, they put you at risk. He said, when I had a moment to talk to my coworker, I did so with my management present so that they would know how serious this is. Everyone, and I mean everyone, has a right to privacy, especially when it comes to sexuality and gender. This is wild to me. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, there's literally so much to unpack. I feel like we're having a discussion tomorrow with a friend of ours, a friend to the show <clears throat> from season uh, six, American Idol, David Hernandez. Mm. He was viciously outed uh, during his season by Perez Hilton, by media, enough that he actually got kicked off of American Idol because at the time, American Idol was so wholesome. And unless you represented a certain type of very silented homosexuality. They did not want any part of it. And that became very problematic for him. And that is on a very large scale in comparison, but still the same feelings attached. And this world is scary. This world is very dangerous. You don't know who you're telling that could want to hurt you, harm you, hurt your family, along with it being your privacy and your business to share. We live in a sick world. And maybe, you know, depending depending on where these people come from. He said it's a family-owned company, so there's not necessarily an HR department. Um, It's just family-owned, so they're dealing with it internally. But that there's no... um, even then, legal repercussion. Yeah, you could have just put somebody's life at risk, and that's the the truth. And I think that people get a little too comfortable in workplace environments sometimes. I think that a lot of people are really socially awkward or maybe don't have a ton of friends in the real world. And all of a sudden they think because you guys are around each other for eight hours a day or whatever the, the case may be, that that means you're friends. That's, that, that means because somebody shared something about themselves with you, that you then have the right to go take that and share it with somebody else, which could not be further from the truth. Somebody reveals something to you, like their sexuality especially, Shut up. Yeah. Keep it to yourself. That's not your story to tell. Also, it's really awkward for the new employee. Like A thousand percent. I wonder how the new employee reacted. That's the part of the story I'm missing. Totally. I want to know what they did. Well, and they must have handled it somewhat well because he didn't make a big deal of it. I'm hoping 
But I, I mean, imagine if it were you or for our listeners, imagine if it were you that somebody was like, yeah, this person's out. Do you comfort them? Do you immediately say, hey, I love gay people? Do you like I'm assume? The, I'm the new person. I would look right at that person out of the other person. I would be like, and? Like, and what's the, per- why would you? Right, why, would you what's, stand up for him? Yeah, what's the point of you telling me that? Yeah. I think also, listen, I think there could be a thousand layers to this. And I'm only speaking from personal experience. Usually that person, like that guy that's so excited to tell somebody about somebody's sexuality is probably hiding something of himself. Like there's probably a part of himself that's been repressed that he feels almost giddy about. That he's like, oh, I want to tell this thing, right? This immature sort of whatever it is. Either he thinks it's silly and goofy and and, and weird and and fascinating that somebody's actually gay. Like he's met a unicorn. Or... He's a little bit bisexual and is thinking the things without even knowing it, just saying it and bringing it up. He's like, well, they're not going to think I'm gay because he's obviously the gay one. Well, also, and imagine this for an example. When people get nervous, sometimes they laugh. Vanessa, our producer, laughs when she gets nervous, which I actually think is so endearing. But imagine that guy says it. The new employee starts to laugh just simply out of being nervous, not knowing what to say. Then that feels like a bullying situation. Now the gay person feels stupid. I mean, there's just so many ways that it's just... Not well, it's okay. kind of remember we talked about this a week or so ago with uh, Jane Campion when she won Best Director for The Power of the Dog, and she made a comment about working amongst all men and made a joke about Venus and Serena Williams, how at least they never had to play men on the tennis court, at least. And Serena, like, awkwardly laughed at it. And Venus was very much like, Bitch, what do you, what, why did you just say that? There's no need to say that. Don't bring us, don't put us on your mouth. Like, you don't need to be talking about us right now. It's not a comparison. And that's like, but sometimes, a lot of times people have the Serena Williams approach. They have that reaction. They just laugh because they're uncomfortable. But then also when Venus says, don't let my name be found in your mouth. Yeah. Now this is the angry black woman. Yep. Or now it's a bitch. Yes. Or now it's like. So, yeah. So how does this, how does this new employee, if this new, very first day on their job, they're stuck in this situation where I'm like, okay, this guy just got outed to me. How am I supposed to respond to that? And for the guy who's gay, like. You've just now been introduced as your sexuality, and that's it. And I think that oftentimes gay people, I think that me a couple years ago would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm the lesbian. Yes, queen. Yes. (laughs) And that's how we cover up our shade. Like, no one wants to do that anymore. No smiling. No smiling depression. If you miss Therapy Thursdays, listen to the podcast at wearechannelq.com. Totally. All right, coming up, J-Lo not only stuns at iHeartRadio, it's the other J-Lo's that really stole the spotlight. Find out what's going down next. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for another round of What's Poppin'. It involves an icon. That's all I'm going to say. All right, this is iconic. Jennifer Lopez stunned at a recent award show where she accepted the Icon Award. But it's the dancers that are really taking the spotlight. Before she hit the stage, introduced by Billy Porter, by the way, it was drag queens strutting down the stage in J-Lo's most memorable looks over the years and it was so fabulous. Morgan McMichaels, who's one of our dear friends, uh, Carrie Colby, just super fierce queens that we love. Um... They all came out looking stunning. And then when Lopez herself emerged on stage, she donned a white fur coat with the word equality on the train, eventually stripping it off as she performed On My Way, her latest song from her film, Marry Me, followed by Get Right. And this is 
iconic because I knew that, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I knew that J-Lo was an ally, but I, I, I assumed... But this was like a major step in receiving an Icon Award to have all drag queens not only walk down her most memorable uh, clothes, but to then stand uh, in promoting Marry Me on something that says equality. Yeah. I mean, clearly we know what that means. Billy Porter introducing her. Sure. I mean, it's a big deal. And I mean, Carrie Colby is, is one of the first and only, there are many now, but one of the one of the still few trans competitors on RuPaul's Drag Race who won the iconic Versace dress this season. Definitely had to return it, but wore it, rocked it, and I think that moment led to her being asked to be a part of this uh, at the at the at the performance. I just think it's fantastic. Yeah, J Lo is one of those interesting ones. Like, she's one of those where I've never really asked because I didn't want to know the answer. Do you know what kind I mean? Kind of, kind of, yes. Because in some ways I'm like, oh, she's Latin, so she's totally supportive. But in some ways I'm like, oh, she's Latin, so she's totally not supportive. You never really know. I grew up Catholic a lot. A lot of people are Catholic, a so you never know percent. where they fall. But it's interesting that she took such a large like, stand. Yeah, like also. why? She didn't need to necessarily, but. And like, I love it. Like, I'm not questioning. With like, everything that's going on, we accept it. We receive it, Jayla. Totally. Thank but- you. And maybe, maybe she was like, I want to promote my film Marry Me in a very unique way. And I, I know that marriage equality is yeah. still something that's poked at. So let me use, I don't know what it was about. I've just never thought that I would see um, a performance of J-Lo's with 13 drag queens, Billy Porter, and her standing on an equality platform. Well, back in January, speaking of the night that Carrie Colby won the, this wore this dress on RuPaul's Drag Race, it was back January 28th, and the, the category was Night of a Thousand J-Lo's. So everybody dressed as J-Lo for the runway look that night, and, and J-Lo retweeted that. I also have to say this is a very important part of the story. J-Lo follows me on Twitter. Like, whatever. No big deal. Iconic. Passed for years. Just love to, to that. see it. I've never worn her dress though, so that's okay. We love to see it. Yeah, you will next time. <laughs> All right, coming up in our final hour, what would you do if you were in an Uber and your Uber driver was sending back and forth videos that were super homophobic? Would you stay in the car? Would you get out? We're going to discuss in the next hour. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon, Channel Q. What would you do if you were in an Uber and realized that the driver was homophobic? One oh, woman shares God. her story, and it, it, she was scared for her life. We're talking about it in 13 minutes. Uh, you need to tune in for that because it could happen to you. How would you respond? Uh, ugh, it's wild to even think about. My, I, get, I, get, I get goosebumps. Um, but luckily, I'm a six foot five man, and I feel like I have a little bit of security in that. But you, you're five two, and you're you're petite, honey. Unless you eat too many chips. God, we love chips. uh, Why do we love chips? We do love chips. Um, (laughs) But this story is very serious. We're going to have the conversation coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, Right now, though, it's time for some news on the beat. What's going on in the world? All right. Well, there's a lot going on. If you ask me, Madeleine Albright, the first woman to serve as a U.S. Secretary of State, has died at 84 after battling cancer. Albright was nominated on December 5th, 1996 by then President Clinton to become the 64th Secretary of State. After serving as the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., she was confirmed by the U.S. Senate on January 22nd, 1997. And sworn in the next day, Albright served as Secretary of State for four years, ending her service on January 20th, 2001, upon the inauguration of former President George W. Bush. 
Albright had a long and distinguished career as a U.S. envoy. As Secretary of State, she was the first State Department head to allow domestic partners, including same-sex partners, to accompany overseas staff and require that foreign governments officially accredit them. In 1999, the Secretary advocated that Clinton go ahead with his decision to appoint the first openly gay U.S. ambassador, James Hormel, as a recess appointment as the U.S. ambassador to Luxembourg. In her role as Secretary of State, Albright was a trailblazer that set an example that would be followed by two other prominent American women, former Secretaries of State Condoleezza Rice and Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Icons. Icons. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry. Oops. Icon. Okay, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 93 in La Quinta, 94 in Cathedral City. Oh, I love this weather. 69 in Houston, 93 in Palm Springs, 85 in Vegas, 83 in L.A., and 53 in New York. Now give us a vibe of the day, please. To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. You don't need to be perfect to win this next giveaway. Woo! We've got another one. Can't believe it. First Gaga and now the Chainsmokers. We're doing so much. That's right. Channel Q wants to fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for a weekend getaway to see the Chainsmokers. Enter to win at wearechannelq.com. Here's what you could win. You ready? Tell me. Round trip airfare for two, a two-night hotel stay, and two tickets to see the Chainsmokers at one of their residencies at Encore Beach Club. So exciting. Vegas is back, baby. Chainsmokers are so fun in concert. I've seen them. They're incredible. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com right now and enter for your chance to win a wild weekend getaway to Vegas, baby. So much fun. Cannot wait. It's so worth it. You know a thing or two about Vegas. I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Um, All right. Coming up, what if you were in an Uber while your Uber driver was sending homophobic videos. This happened to one TikToker, and we'll share that story coming up next. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. All right, so there are two types of people, right? The type of people who get in an Uber or a Lyft, and they want to be chatty. And then there's the type of people like me who don't really want to talk to anybody at all, right? Regardless of whether an Uber driver is talking to me or not, though, I want to make sure that they're going to keep me safe. Part of that is that they're not, you know, homophobic. That's part of it. Because I oftentimes ride Ubers with my partner. Right. The other part of it is that they're paying attention to the road. So what would you do if you were in an Uber and found out that your driver was neither? That actually happened to a very popular TikToker uh, in Miami recently. And she said, I realized that my driver, because they have their phone on those little little stands in the middle, Ugh. as you can usually see, right? So they can see where they're going. And while he was driving, was sending a video. The video was in Spanish, and she figured out very quickly. She's like, I'm in Miami. I don't speak Spanish, but I know enough. He was sending anti-queer uh, videos to friends while he was driving. And it translated to, it said, uh, Por qué existe la homosexualidad? I just said that so bad, right, Vanessa? But basically what it says is, why does homosexuality exist? That's how it translates in English. I took Spanish in college. It was very, very many years ago. Don't drag me. So what do you do? You're in the back of an Uber. The car is moving. You can't get out. And you find out your driver is homophobic. How do you react to that? You know what's really sad? And I feel like I'm going against all of my Italian strong girl culture. I think that I would just sit in that car I would be so upset. I would have so many feelings, but I would either just like... You'd stay quiet. 
get out mm. when there was a red light or just stay at the destination. I'm a five foot two woman. I've heard horror Uber stories about them putting child lock on the back of the cars. Imagine being stuck in there. Now you can't get out. He finds out that you are a homosexual. I mean, it's just not a risk I'm willing to take. That's not the hill I'm willing to die on because I feel like ultimately I'm alone putting my safety at risk. And who knows? He could be so upset. He could have a gun. He could have anything. I mean, you don't, you just don't know anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like me three years ago would have been like, I would have told him all the things. And I would have been like, what's wrong with you? Um, but I don't feel that I need to have that kind of conviction in right. this moment. Because like Uber, Lyft, they can do background checks all day long. Background checks are fantastic, right? But they don't mean anything until, you know, in this situation, you're not a criminal until you're a criminal, right? Nobody is. You, you you don't violate somebody's personal space or you don't attack somebody physically until you do. And what if you're the first one? Just because they did a background check on them and they haven't had any criminal record up to that point doesn't mean they're not going to have it ever. Well, and I think we can all agree since even before the pandemic, but during the pandemic, you've seen so much hostility, so much violence. Uh-huh. Let's even bring this in for a minute. Ubers, airplanes, all these spaces. Yeah, and look. Uber drivers are probably so pissed now that gas is so high. You don't know what they're dealing with. Like, there are just so many things that I have realized... I don't want to be the one to Let's be honest. Listen, I don't ever want to discredit anybody's job and their their career choices. But I would guess that a a decent number of Uber and Lyft drivers, that was not their life's aspiration. That was not their number one goal in life was to go be a driver in their own car and have people in their own space for a living, right? Oh, I hate people in my car. Many people do it because they need to. They need to pay their bills. So, and, and that doesn't mean people don't take pride in their work. That's a different story. But you're already in a situation that maybe is not your first choice or your second or your third choice. And on top of it, you're now making less money because gas prices are so high. And because gas prices are so high, people might be less likely to tip as well. They might be a little bit more on edge. They might be a little bit irritable. Yeah. And then you find out they're anti-you. Not worth it, Whatever you are, that's a scary situation. Totally. And don't take it personally is the only advice I can give you. Don't try to be a hero. Just get to your destination safely. I'm so sorry that it happened to this TikTok. We interviewed the the person in Denver who was, I believe, was trans and was attacked by an Uber driver. No, they weren't attacked. They were attacked outside the Uber. Outside the Uber driver. And the Uber driver went and drove him to the hospital. They told him to get out. Yes. I mean, it's crazy. Mm. Tell me something good. All right, I'll tell you something good. How about I tell you something great? I actually, uh, we're going we're to continue highlighting for the rest of Women's History Month, LGBTQ women of note. And I actually just met this one a couple of weeks ago at the HRC dinner in downtown Los Angeles. It's Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas, who's an up-and-coming politician with many firsts to her name. She's the first openly LGBT Native American elected to the U.S. Congress, the first of only two Native American women elected to Congress, and the first Democrat to represent Kansas in the U.S. House of Representatives since 2011. Before her political career, she was a lawyer and a professional MMA fighter and spent years living on Native American reservations across the U.S. to work on community development programs. Listen, she's also hilarious. She got out there and she had every every gay man and lesbian woman and bisexual and trans person in the entire room in stitches Love it. the whole time she was on that stage. 
and then she like riffed with Brandy Carlisle and Abby Wambach and Glennon Doyle a bit and just kind of like had her moment. She's really, really, really great on stage, and I understand why the people of Kansas elected her Love in a it. very, very Republican state, by the way. Yeah. Pretty awesome stuff. That's incredible. Okay, well, this story's pretty incredible, too. Now, despite the very real limits of science, check... Technological advances are making things we never imagined possible, especially when it comes to improving the lives of disabled people. A team of scientists announced this morning that they have designed a brain implant that has allowed a fully paralyzed man to communicate using only his mind. The case study, which was published, details the painstaking process that scientists used to achieve what could be something like a medical miracle. The man whose name has not been released in order to protect his privacy has amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, uh, also known as ALS, and they were able to uh, ex- uh, uh, give it give it a try with his ALS, and it proved to be um, able to be very successful. And I mean, I don't even know what that would feel like being disabled and being able to still have great communication skills thanks to this brain implant. I mean, so yeah, so many breakthroughs in ALS. Remember the the ice bucket challenge, and a then few everyone years got ago? dragged because we were in a water drought. Yeah, but also though, because of that, there were many, many breakthroughs in ALS uh, research and medicine and, and therapies and things like this. So pretty cool stuff. It's incredible. Yeah. All right, well, we have a great show for you tomorrow from American Idol. My buddy David Hernandez joins us to talk. Is about his new EP, Don't At Me. We'll also be joined by one of the doctors at HRC Fertility, really explaining how you can grow your family and what the steps are that need to be taken. Uh, but for now, take a listen to three hours of really great music just for you. Then stick around for Let's Go There and then later on Loveline coming up. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.